0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
1: Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when
2: pests show up, so does Terminix.
0: With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business
2: has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T E R M I N I X.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's
3: biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board.
2: This is Uncanny USA.
3: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
2: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
1: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio.
0: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. Our compatriot Noel is on an adventure
1: but will be returning soon. They call me Ben, we're joined as always with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccans. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Today's episode, folks, is going to hit on a tremendously important uh, and at times disturbing topic that may not be suitable for all listeners. Uh, This does contain uh, descriptions of uh, massive, massive crimes. And it comes in part to us from fellow conspiracy realist Ashley, who was responding to an earlier story in a strange news segment we did where we explored Uttar Pradesh's controversial proposed bill to incentivize what's known as population control. And Matt, this is is one of the stories that you brought to bear um, just maybe a week or so ago.
0: Yeah, it wasn't long ago at all, and it just happened to be something that popped up in a news feed. I didn't know anything about the context within India's history of these kinds of practices that they are putting forward, incentivizing population control. But man, Ashley wrote to us and really uh, started to open our eyes to just what's been happening there for decades
1: Yes. Yeah. And we'd like to read Ashley's letter in full. So here's what she says. Hi, guys. I was listening to your latest strange news and heard you ask for more insight into population control within India. I just graduated with a degree in international development and social change. And I took a few classes during my academic career surrounding the idea of
0: overpopulation and population control. India was heavily focused on this because they had a history of both government-forced sterilization and government-coerced sterilization. In the 1970s, thousands of Indian men were rounded up at gunpoint and given vasectomies.
1: And it continues, Ashley says, while that is thankfully no longer practiced, coercive policies like the one you discussed today are still nothing new to India. Women are coerced into receiving tubal litigation sterilization, as through promises of land, subsidies,
0: livestock, or rations. These promises are not always delivered on. Many women have spoken on being left without receiving any of the incentives they were promised. The government agents whose jobs are to recruit volunteers, that's in quotations, for sterilization aren't paid until they meet a certain quota, so they become a victim of the system as well.
1: In less extreme cases, long-term birth control methods, such as IUDs, are pushed on women. And even if they complain of severe side effects and request to have them removed early, they will often be refused removal. There have been many cases of women having to remove their own IUDs at home, which, Ashley adds, is quite dangerous and painful.
0: And Ashley concludes with, A great source you can use is the documentary Something Like a War by Deepa Donraj. That's D-H-A-N-R-A-J. It does show footage of tubal legations, so it can be a little graphic, but I honestly found watching the women writhing in agony on gym mats after the procedure with no painkillers covered in flies to be more disturbing than anything else.
1: And that's where we'll leave the letter today. Uh, This was important. First, we want to thank Ashley uh, for spreading awareness about this. Uh, And then we want to explore this conspiracy and see what it means for the present and the future of India's population as well as the world's population. So, we noted previously, there's an intense dilemma faced by both India's government and its people. We're talking about a part of the world where children often become primary caretakers for their parents and grandparents. With that, how can you convince someone to go against Centuries of tradition and in some cases what people consider a material necessity for life in old age. Well to understand that we have to understand a little more about India. Here are the facts like, as we've discussed before India is awesome. I don't think it gets enough credit. Matt, I mean, you know this, it's an ancient land. It's got a huge, huge population and a storied history. And When we say ancient, we're not fooling around. This is one of my favorite facts. The first person to clearly define the concept of zero, yes, zero, the idea of the number zero, was a Hindu astronomer and mathematician way back in 628. Other people, other civilizations had similar concepts. But this guy made it official, and you could spend years reading the history of human civilization on the Indian subcontinent and uh, have the stuff they don't want you to know guarantee that you will still never get to all of it. So much stuff happened in this part of the world. Big takeaway here is that modern civilization, as we understand it today, owes a ton to innovations from India.
0: Yeah. Uh, India is like the OG (laughs) <laughs> of <laughs> countries and civilizations. We we talked about this before as well, but it, India is the world's largest democracy. That's very important. Democracy. And it's the second most populous country on the planet. It has a population that is more than 1.3 billion. I believe, Ben, you said 1.366. Something yep, to that, that effect.
1: As of 2019.
0: Yeah. The, so, uh, a lot of humans uh, and in just a few years it's been you know it's been projected that it will become the world's number 1 most populous country uh, eclipsing china there with that that metric and you know in in several episodes prior to this we've talked about how difficult it is to plan for that many people to have all of the infrastructure everything from just a a steady source of food to other things that humans need when you're when you're talking about a government especially a democracy that's trying to make decisions about a lot of that stuff in various states within that much larger country and and, and doing that for a population of let's say a couple hundred million 300 million something like that it's already a herculean task now multiply that uh, by a couple times and my goodness yeah, I, I, there's a couple more things I'll hit right here before we jump into some of the other stuff, Ben. The country itself, the entire India, it's it makes up 2.4% of the world's total land area, but it supports, get this, 14% of the human population.
1: Yep, the whole shebang. Also, only 4% of the world's water resources, mm. which is going to become increasingly difficult. We're saying that there are... In addition to just the organizational hurdles that a country of this size has to deal with, uh, there are also these other factors. Uh, yes, poverty, population
0: density right there. Yes,
1: population density is a huge one. Uh, also, poverty and food insecurity are daily concerns. We're talking about a part of the world where an estimated 50 million people live on less than the equivalent of $2 per day, uh, where... Just under 200 million, 194.4 million people are undernourished. 46 million children in India, according to the studies, remain stunted. And 25.5 million are also, additionally, are defined as wasted. This is a different term. Uh, wasted means something Very different in the U.S., I think it's safe to say. Uh, In this case, it's something much more serious. It means that these children do not weigh enough for their height.
0: That's a problem. This is also where some of the major controversy that we're going to discuss in this episode comes in. The concept that there are so many people, many of them suffering to one degree or another, um, and what do you do about that? As a country, as a government, as a democracy, very similarly to their their northern neighbors, China, uh, their government has they become pretty concerned with this for a long time as well. They've we're we're gonna we're gonna outline everything that they've been doing from a population control standpoint since the 1950s. I think that might be where we start here today. But the government is just worried how the rising population is going to impact these already existing problems. And it's really these two things we've outlined here. Inequality between people that exist in India as well as a population that is growing, perhaps exceeding the means of of a government and even private industry to be able to help everyone and give everyone a quality of life that would be considered standard.
1: This is interesting because sometimes there is a false equivalency of sorts. Uh, Not everybody agrees that inequality and overpopulation are two sides of the same coin. Some people believe that's a false assumption, uh, but other people are convinced that population growth itself inherently leads to crushing inequality. And to this end, we'll go back briefly to that story from our Strange News segment, Uttar Pradesh proposed a controversial bill that was meant to incentivize lower birth rates, uh, giving people perks, essentially. Uh, They would say, if you keep the number of children you have down to this threshold, then those children will have preferential treatment or guarantees uh, as they're growing up and also have better chances uh, to enter higher education, to get preference in, in certain employment situations, and this would apply to the parents as well. So it was a measure that proposed carrots in place of sticks. But this is just one of several examples. There was also the Population Regulation Bill of 2019, which in addition to incentives, in addition to carrots, had sticks, had disincentives. It was aiming to punish parents who dared to have more than two children. Without rehashing too much of this, uh, it is important to note, currently, this new bill in Uttar Pradesh, even if it passes, uh, will not force birth control on people, not physically, at least, but it will spark an intense debate, partially with the question that comes up whenever any government regardless of which country we're talking about. Whenever any government proposes a wide-sweeping law like this, one that's supposed to affect everybody, there's always one question, and it's a good question. It's a question everybody should ask. Will this really apply to everyone, or will the wealthy and connected be exempt, as they almost always are?
0: Mm. The other thing we're going to be dealing with today is the fact that this really, the thought of, being sterilized goes against a lot of cultural norms that exist in India and, and many other parts of the world. And a lot of it goes into how people view the concept of a vasectomy, uh, at least from a lot of the sources I've been reading. there There's some misconceptions about the side effects or the after effects of that procedure. There are many viewpoints there that the procedure will in some way, feminize a masculine person or will cause uh, any person who gets that procedure to lose their virility, lose their ability to, in some ways, be a man, ultimately to lessen masculinity, which is not seen as a positive.
1: Yeah, yeah. The idea being that this would be, uh, this would affect maybe someone's hormonal balance, uh, rather than just removing their ability to reproduce successfully. And because of all the different beliefs out there and the the very valid distrust of government, you can see why a lot of people would be against this or at the very least highly, highly skeptical. There's also something else uh, that you will encounter in this part of the world. In India and in other parts of Asia, it can be treated as a given that you your job once you grow up is to care for your parents or grandparents or older relatives in old in old age when they reach what we would consider retirement age uh, they may or uh, you know uh, maybe maybe your father passes away and your mother is elderly well then it's natural that she goes to live with you so. You'll hear this phrase sometimes uh, along the lines of something like, children are your life insurance slash retirement plan. Of course, this doesn't apply to every single family, but it is pretty common. I found that an overwhelming majority of people, around 80% of elderly widows and widowers that are over the age of 65 live with uh, one of their children in uh, like a joint family, joint household situation. This practice is so common, in fact, that India made it official in 2007 due to concerns about poverty in the elderly community, and they passed something called the Maintenance and Welfare of Parents and Senior Citizens Act. This law legally requires children and grandchildren, so long as they're not minors, to maintain the health and wellness of an aging family member. They define maintenance as giving them food, a place to stay, medical care to the best of their ability. And they define senior citizen as anybody who's over the age of 60.
0: And uh, one thing you got to remember, unlike in the United States, where we have social security, which which is something everybody pays into, essentially for uh, people as they get older into retirement age to be able to uh, have money or to at least function in many basic ways, let's say what Social Security would do, Uh, that does not exist in India, at least in the way we understand it. And this means that the family members are just going to be doing it on their own and have been just doing it on your own. Take what you have and make sure you have enough, or at least you know do everything you can to have enough to support your family members who are older as well. And if the population control bill passes, you have to imagine what do those people who are let's say in childbearing age or people who are you know ready to have children or they could have children what happens to them if they don't or what if they only have two children or one child rather than you know more than that to kind of spread the the weight of needing to take care of the elders and what if that kid moves see that's one of the first things that i thought about is this
1: this can put a certain segment of the population in a Precarious position, so you're saying like imagine you're those people Matt just described your response could in a very valid way be so you're saying that you're passing the like you're passing the responsibility of caring for the elderly from you know this government that they've spent their lives paying taxes to, and you're saying it's on me, it's on my family, but it's like legally on me. But then, at the same time, you're saying, "I cannot take the steps to create the amount of children that I would like to create, so what's what's going to happen to me down the line? You know what I yeah. mean, and that's
0: for my family line in or, general, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, or my family line, and this leads us to the problem with overpopulation that's that's what I'm calling it at least, and it may not be the problem that you expect us to mention. What are we talking about? I was going to
0: say, is it plural?
1: <laughs> right, right. The problems. Uh, they, we may not have all the problems that, that you might immediately think of or that the news wants you to think about. What are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
0: With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop.
1: to talk to an expert
2: snagajob.com where america goes to hire
3: Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a beginner Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details.
0: Terminix it. Visit
1: Terminix.com to book your appointment online today.
0: That's T E R M I N I X.com to book online today. The problem
1: with quote unquote overpopulation. Or as you said, Matt, the problems with quote unquote overpopulation. Well, first off, ideally, as long as someone or some household can take care of the kids they have, provide them with decent education, water, clothing, shelter, affection, then they should be able to have as many kids as they want, you know, and and create a a bustling, successful family. That's that's the dream for a lot of people. But when we talk about the idea of overpopulation, the way that we typically hear this depicted is something like uh, there are too many people living now, that makes the uh, human species ripe for a disaster. It exacerbates climate change, which is already way off the rails. It uses up uh, resources in a way that makes them unsustainable, and that it accelerates inequality. We've just named, we've just ticked off like the greatest hits of the overpopulation argument. But that argument sometimes leaves leaves some important things out. Like in the, in the world of academia, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a full agreement on the problem of overpopulation. For some people, overpopulation and terms like population explosion are just diversionary and they're used to distract from the real problem, which is inequality. Because if you look at, if you look at the estimated amount of money, of value, right, throughout the world, and then you say, well, what about dividing it all equally? First, you'll be you'll be called a crazed, you know, communist or whatever is in use today. But if you if you looked at it and you just said, okay, treat it like a math problem, what would everybody get if you sliced it up 7.8 whatever billion ways? Well, there are folks who argue that you would find people's basic needs met. The thing is for many powerful people that would dramatically reduce their own quality of life, so it becomes a non-starter. Plus, back to your earlier point about organization, Matt, that's crazy. How would you even do that? People are way too corrupt to ever do that. You know what I mean? We're talking about a species that will intentionally betray people, even people that are their family or people they call their friends, for like a pittance, Yeah. like, a, like a, a, a cassette tape.
0: I think. I don't think I'd do it for a cassette
1: tape, though. (laughs) I'm not of the mind to do that. But, you know, uh, that's a lot of people won't know which way they go in that situation until they find themselves in that situation. And they feel like the incentive is enough fuel to power their later rationalizations for the evil stuff they do. Anyway, that's like they're saying that it's it's. A real problem, but it's being used to distract from another bigger problem, which is inequality. So reducing the population is, in that frame, uh, that is a way to address inequality. But does it mean it's the only way? Theoretically, no. So for other people, population control through lowering the birth rate is absolutely legit. It's more than legit. It's the only solution to a ticking time bomb of economic, ecological, and social
0: disaster. Yeah, let's think about that for a minute. Imagine you are in charge, and you, for whatever reason, believe that there is a population explosion problem where, where in the area that you control, or at least have partial control, how do you go about reducing that population actively? Do you kill off a bunch of people? Probably not, no matter where you are. Even, you know, the most heinous autocrat likely isn't going to kill his or her own people in that way because it could lead to disaster for their for their own power. The way you essentially do it is you convince the people over which you hold somewhat control uh, that this is a problem as much as you think it is a problem and get them to find a way to participate in solving the problem. It's a weird concept. Yeah,
1: it goes, it goes back pretty, uh, pretty far. You know, it goes back to the ideas of Thomas Malthus Malthusianism from the 1800s. Uh, This, this guy back in the 1800s already said, look, there are too many people in the world. Uh, The, the fact that there are too many people is the reason things are going wrong. That's the number one reason. Uh, Hunger, starvation, disease, war, it's all because we have too many people on the boat. And so he argued that at some point the population of the world is going to surpass the ability of the world to produce enough food for everyone and that there will be massive starvation unless you do something. And then the, the argument is that Based on where someone is in a given social or global hierarchy, their decision about who should have to pay the ultimate price of reducing the population, who should have to take the hit or jump off the boat, that's going to depend on what they think benefits them the most. You don't see very many members of Congress or you don't see very many world leaders saying, hey, I'm not going to have children. Or saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna, you know, take. I'm gonna take the hit. Me and all my buddies are getting sterilized. That's yeah. what we're doing instead of going bowling. It's it's always like a, uh, it's always like, the greater good is awesome, and I will fight for it as long as someone else pays the price."
0: Hmm. Well, let's talk about the greater good because in, in this case, in the best scenario, scenario, if you're nasty, yeah. uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> you're. You're attempting to do the greatest good, but what does that mean? Is the greatest, is it the greatest good in terms of the economic future of your country? Is it, I mean, even if you're like putting, even if you are taking the hit as the leader or the group of leaders or whatever that are at the golf course deciding to get sterilized, too, you, you're still going to probably make decisions or lean towards alienating those who are suffering at the depths of the inequality pool
1: yeah they're less likely to fight back
0: well yeah and and if you're and if you are thinking in those like utilitarian terms the people who can offer things for whatever uh, government or private enterprise those are going those people are going to be prioritized i believe
1: yeah unfortunately even if that's not What the law or the policy says on paper, that will tend to be how it works out in practice. Because let me tell you, referring to our earlier episodes, if if something like this was proposed in the United States, lobbyists would love it. It's a field day. Let's just start carving out the exceptions. You know what I mean? Pay to play, baby. But this is a real problem, and this applies to many other things. But in the case of population control, we're talking about something very, very personal, right? This is not like a law saying that every individual has to recycle uh, while no global corporation has to. It's not that kind of inequality. This is telling people they cannot have children by hook or by crook. Uh, But one thing that everyone does seem to agree on is this, and I'm thankful that everyone can agree on this. The average person... Or household, not just in India but in the world, deserves a better present and a brighter future. You know, if you if whether or not you have kids, whether or not you plan to have kids, I hope it's not a hot take to say that people should have food security. People should have access to education and employment opportunities, and you know, if they want to, they should have the prospect of raising a family of their own one day. You know, even if you're not into one of those things, for some reason, then that shouldn't stop you from supporting other people's pursuit of those goals. And now we, we have to ask ourselves, what's the solution? You see, fellow conspiracy realists, today's episode is not a story about the future of India's population. Not really. Instead, it is a story about a strange, brutal solution applied by the Indian government and applied by Western foundations endorsed by the United Nations, and implemented then with the help of India's government. What did they do? Like Ashley said, they conspired to sterilize men by the millions, and they very much succeeded.
0: Here's where it gets crazy. Yeah, you wonder why there's so much skepticism and worry about things like the World Bank or the International Monetary Fund. Well, here's a great example (laughs) for you (laughs) as we dive into this. Yeah, here it is. Um, I guess we should give an example, maybe something that we can all imagine as we're thinking about this, Ben. Um, We can apply it to us. So as we're all listening, imagine that you are going through something really rough. Let's say... Um uh, somebody just ruptured a gas line at your house. Uh no, I'm just playing. That's just or, what happened to me. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's a true story, folks. I, <laughs> this I, <morning>. said, <laughs> I said it off air, but thank you for being here, Matt. I'm so glad things are all right. Uh or let's say let's Those are
0: really tough times. That's just like minor inconvenience. But we're right.
1: Open. Everybody's okay. The dogs are fine, the family's mm-hmm. fine. But but let's say, okay, well, what if we say this? Um in our case, to be self-interested here, how mm-hmm. about we say we woke up one day and podcasting was done. Uh No, totally done. That's it. Uh, we have to go back to our earlier skill sets, which Uh, are uh, right, right, right. (laughs) Okay. And so this is hopefully just a hypothetical. So things are tough, you know, or maybe your industry goes kaput for reasons beyond your control. And one bad thing follows on the heels of another. You have expensive medical concerns. You have to provide for family members who likewise have fallen on tough times. Uh, You are unable to get a job. Uh, Your bills add up and you find yourself you know, living out of your car, living in a friend's house, living in assistance, maybe things get even worse and you're sleeping rough under the stars, wherever you can find it's dry. You're working odd jobs day by day so that you can scrape by to live to the next sunrise. And then, you know, now that you find yourself on the bottom of insert social strata here, you become a very easy target for other people, bad actors, and you're much more likely to get certain laws enforced upon you because you obviously cannot do much to defend yourself. So let's say you get jammed up by the local police and they say, all right, all right, Matt, Ben, fellow conspiracy realists, you're also in this with us. We've been sleeping under a bridge. Uh, You guys are loitering. You people uh, are loitering. Uh, We're going to throw you in jail. We're going to give you a fine and we all know that you cannot afford to pay it, which will mean that your life gets even worse and you may be in jail longer, depending on which state this story occurs in. And then we're all panicked. What are we going to do? Eventually, the cops say, well, you
0: know, there's a way. There's one thing you could do. Yeah. You can uh, put this on. Come on back over here. And we're gonna give you a quick sterilization. And then you can just leave. Cool? We can go back under the bridge if you want. Yeah. Sure. Just just go under the knife real quick. We'll be done. Then you just go on with your day. And 10, best of luck to you, buddy. Minutes.
1: Yeah. And our success rate is okay.
0: It's not yeah, great. we'll even give you this pin and mm-hmm. it'll let us know that you've already done this, so we won't pick you up the next time for loitering.
1: <laughs> we'll give you a couple pills for the pain, maybe some cash, you know. Mhm, and and uh, the odds are pretty good of you not dying. You are like what is pretty good? Well, they're not great, but they're they're pretty good.
0: Besides the pin thing, yeah, that I was somewhat joking about. Would it surprise you to know that this actually happened? That this uh, happened in India in in the nineteen seventies, nineteen seventy five. It's uh, that's what it's known as the emergency. I think is how it's referred to, Ben. Yes. The 1975
1: emergency. And this is part of the reason, folks, that Matt was emphasizing India's role as the largest democracy. Because for 21 months, from 1975 to 1977, Prime Minister Indira Gandhi had a state of emergency declared across the entirety of the country. This was due to the rationalization, or the rationale, I should say, was uh, prevailing internal disturbance. This order gave the prime minister to can- the ability to cancel elections, the suspension of all civil liberties, and the dangerous authority to allow rule by decree, which means in this otherwise democratic country for 21 months... They implemented a style of governance where a single person or group could say, this is the law, and then that was the law. And so during the 1975 emergency, one of the, the prime minister's children, a guy named Sanjay Gandhi, began a campaign of mass sterilization, population control, that was definitely targeting the poor there would be people you will find countless stories of people who were maybe itinerant workers maybe sleeping in fields maybe trying to catch a train somewhere getting jammed up by the cops and having the having something distressingly similar to that to that story Matt and I just told that that was happening to people and it was not happening in a vacuum Because the Indian government had massive international support from this. Maybe not in terms of like number of other other people in the world supporting this idea, but in terms of dollars and infrastructure and expertise, they were working with some of the most well-off international organizations in the world.
0: Yeah, they were given millions and millions of dollars by the World Bank and several other institutions, including the U.N. Population Fund, I believe is what it was called. That may be wrong. Nope, that's it. Um, Even even organizations like the Ford Foundation. Hmm. Yeah. And there are others that you can read about who gave money towards this goal. And while all of this money is coming in, there's a massive effect because it is a huge effort. Um, In just one year, 6.2 million Indian men were sterilized. One year. One year. Yeah. Um, 6.2 million. The only way that I have a mental framing for something like that is through the United States COVID-19 vaccination program. Just imagining the number of people moving in and out of a huge number of physical locations where vaccinations were being given across the United States. That's the only way I can factor in that number of people going in and out and having a procedure. I've got one that might help. It's a, okay. uh,
1: it's a twisted version of uh, our old YouTube game. We used to play. You, you remember the one I'm sure. Uh, so I pulled up the population of countries. Yes. The total populations of countries that are smaller Than this number, 6.2 million, Uh, those countries include places like Denmark, Finland, Norway, Oman, Costa Rica, Ireland. So like the more than the entire population of each of these countries got sterilized one year. Uh, And then the list goes on. You know, that's also um, higher than the population. Let's let's see. Let's see a good one. That's higher than the population of a couple of different countries combined. It's higher than the population of Latvia and Bahrain together. It's high. Like they steril. What we're saying is, if you look at it through that lens, in one year they sterilize a country's worth of
0: dudes. Yes, and all of those people, each one. Pulled from the reproductive pool, all of their you know their genes don't get passed on anymore, and in some cases, they were rewarded for deciding to take part or being forced to take part. Um, again, sometimes people were physically forced to go in and become sterilized uh, in in this program in 1975.
1: So as Ashley pointed out. Many people were promised things and many people did did go along with it. You can you can read about the public outreach that says things like the fewer kids you have, the more food there is to go around. You know, things like that, motivational stuff. But also Ashley is correct in that for many people, and we're we're looking more at this forced sterilization of men at this time, but many people, including including women, didn't actually get the stuff that they were promised after they consented to these operations, but a lot of people also never got the chance to consent because they were forced. In one case we found, on November 24th, 1976, in a rural village named Utawar, which is about 50 miles, 80 clicks south of New Delhi. I just put clicks in there, Max. I, I know you like that phrase. I love it.
0: I love it. Thank you. So, Thank okay. you, dude.
1: So, so it's a... Uh, So there's this rural village, smaller place, and the authorities, those folks that we're talking about who have the volunteers who have like a quota to get people sterilized, uh, they have been coming in and trying to incentivize people, talking about patriotism, this, that, and the third. But then what they ultimately do when, when the villagers aren't going along with it is they call in the cavalry literally mounted policemen round up every man over the age of 15 forces them to assemble at a local school, carts them by bus off to a government hospital. And then nearly 250 men were forced into vasectomies. Some of those men had never had children. And from that point on, they never would.
0: Yeah. So in this specific example, that's horrifying, right? That's right out of some some kind of dystopian novel, that kind of thing happening to just citizens. But one thing that makes it even worse is the fact that there was such a rush to sterilize so many people at the time, the procedures, uh, like some of the people, not all, but some of the people uh, giving these procedures, performing them, some of the techniques, uh, they, they were not safe. And many People died, at least according to journalist Mara um There were at least two thousand men, two thousand men that died because of medical errors during these processes, the, these sterilizations. And here's the thing: that's just during the emergency in, in the nineteen, you know, mid nineteen seventies. There have been sterilization practices before that in India and this wasn't a new thing where people were dying uh due to these practices
1: yeah this was not new through multiple propaganda programs awareness campaigns and more the government and the hidden hand of those western foundations and institutions sought to cajole people into vasectomies or into tubal ligation due to longstanding misconceptions about these uh these surgeries as well as very valid concerns, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Especially if if you if you live nearby a village where all the people, all the dudes, got rounded up and vasectomied, then you are not going to be super open to the the friendly, uh, warm, fuzzy time propaganda campaigns. Also, more than one million men were sterilized in India in nineteen seventy one. And over 3 million were sterilized just two years later in 1973. We've mentioned a hidden hand pretty often in this episode, and we've, we've talked a little bit about the World Bank, and we've talked a little bit about some of, the, some of the places getting behind this in ways that you might not expect. Most people associate Ford with like Model Ts, anti-Semitism, and, you know, uh, well, I can't say too much because I drive a Ford. I, I was,
0: was going to say,
1: and F 150s, too. And F 150s. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I, I drive a Ford. I'm aware of the acronym. We can save the time. Found on road dead. I get it. But, <laughs> but how did they get involved? Why? Why? This is maybe one of the most important parts of this conspiracy. We'll tell you what we mean after a word from our sponsor. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
0: With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand. Tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position.
2: Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop.
1: to talk to an expert
2: snagajob.com where america goes to hire
3: Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a man. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details.
0: Terminix it.
1: Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment
0: online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today.
1: Okay, so a lot of the fear of overpopulation can be traced back to Malthusian theory, but a lot of the fear in the modern era can be traced back to a single book, written in 1968 by a biologist from Stanford named Paul Ehrlich. He wrote a book called The Population Bomb. Very, very dystopian, very pessimistic, uh, because he thought that he was talking about an existential crisis. I think it's important to note he wasn't just out with some ulterior motive. He really did believe this, and he made these predictions— about what was going to happen if population growth was not uh, crippled as soon as possible. He said India is doomed. You just have to deal with that. He said 65 million Americans are going to starve to death. And that by, his one of his more specific predictions, that by the year 2000, England will not exist. Mm. So that should uh, should hopefully give a, a little inspiring chuckle to our friends across the pond, Ehrlich was obviously incorrect. But because the book came out in 1968, just a few years before a lot of these policies get Western support, we can tell you his beliefs, the things he espoused in the population bomb, got super popular especially with the privileged, the hires up at institutions like the World Bank and foundations like Ford and Rockefeller. And so they started putting their money and their expertise where their eyes were. They started try, like, taking this book as inspiration and pushing toward making real-world steps that they thought were the perfect steps to eliminate the threat of overpopulation. And yeah, of course, there is, there is such thing as overpopulation. It's happening, but there are other methods, other ways to stem the tide, I think, is, is what we're saying here. Uh, did you, you saw that, uh, The there's a great Fox article that's based on a really great podcast called Future Perfect, if you want to dive in for more information about this. And full disclosure, uh, they are funded in part by some of those same foundations they explore. And in one of their episodes, they joined with some historians to study the story of a guy named Douglas Insminger, an official at the Ford Foundation. He created infrastructure for these large-scale mass sterilization programs in India. I mean, if we wanted to wax poetic about it, Matt, the way I thought of it is under a sheep's coat of philanthropy. These powerful organizations went full wolf and intervened in a sovereign nation.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did. They went NGO style, baby. Um, (laughs) It's not an uncommon thing. It's also not surprising that these are the groups that were interested in implementing population control. Uh, Again, not saying that, you know, the World Bank and you know whatever Rockefeller Foundation or Ford Foundation or whatever are inherently evil they just are operating from a place of privilege I would say from a from an upper echelon and you can imagine how I don't know why it would make them so interested in the eugenics of it or the uh, culling of it I don't know I, I don't know why but you can definitely see why they they almost I can't put these thoughts in their head, but you're almost aware that somebody's sitting around a table where, where this is being discussed, right? There's like a a discussion of this book by Ehrlich. It's not happening. You can imagine that there's at least three courses. Uh, I'm sorry, that, that's not uh, that's my opinion, and that's <laughs> right, like not right. really valid, but that's what I see in my head.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. The idea that uh, the idea that these people, perhaps with the best of intentions, would have been would have been so far removed from poverty, right? Yeah. That they would not have understood uh, the consequences of this approach or the alternatives to it. Or maybe they truly felt this was very much a crisis situation and these inhuman measures were the, the best recourse. Whatever the case may be, like you said, Matt, it's tough to know their internal motivations, Whatever the case may be, as India's democracy was suspended, the leadership of the country used the powers and tools of these groups to dangerous and sinister ends. And it did result in the death of people. By the way, uh, you know, I've been calling this a conspiracy, and it kind of is a conspiracy because maybe the average person in India at the time in a rural community was not aware that this. Forced vasectomy was brought to them by the World Bank or brought to them by Rockefeller and Ford. But Western institutions and these leaders praised the practice. They loved it. They, they were, they're on record saying, this is great and we're making progress. In fact, the, the push to do this was so extreme that the president of the United States held, uh, kind of held aid for ransom in 1965, then-president Lyndon B. Johnson said, look, we're not going to provide any food aid. No more food aid to India, even though you're undergoing a, you know the threat of a famine right now, until you put in steps to incentivize sterilization. Yeah. So not like family planning, not like just birth control
0: sterilization. Exactly. And you'll notice there that we discussed how the book came out in 68. The pre- President Johnson did that in 65 because... Population control programs in India had been going on since at least 1951 when there were long-term plans, like five-year plans that were being put in place. And there's an article on asianstudies.org that you can read all about some of these plans and see how much money was being put in, what organizations were involved. It's titled India, the Emergency and the Politics of Mass Sterilization. Highly recommend you check that out because it. It has been going on for a long time, and literally the president of the United States, as Ben said, held, it, held help over their heads until that terrible thing started happening on a large scale. Right.
1: And tying aid to certain preconditions is a common thing in the world of geopolitics, right? The, there's no such thing as a free lunch, as the economists like to say, in, the, in what's known as the dismal science. Which is the street name of econo- uh, economics? Uh, this this has real impact. These this has real consequences. So the steps taken by the Indian government promoting IUDs sterilizations can be seen as a response. To the demands of these powerful organizations, the World Bank, International Planned Parenthood Federation, UN Fund for Population Activities, even USAID got involved. So what that's seeing, the
0: United States Agency for International Development.
1: Oh, that was interesting discretion. That was way off. <laughs> <laughs> but but yes, yeah, these they were involved with this. They were directly bankrolling this, and instead of helping people with family planning, these programs immediately forced these lifelong, lasting, permanent contraceptive methods on a very reluctant population. And this this leads us to where India is today and maybe tomorrow because unfortunately, you know, like you said, Matt, this story began before the 75 emergency, And it continued after the 1970s. According to the UN, India alone was responsible for 37% of the world's
0: female sterilizations in 2011. Yeah, and we also know many, many women have died as a direct result of those sterilizations. Which would need to be its own episode at this point. And although
1: sterilization has produced results, Fertility rates uh, dropped from in the nineteen nineties was three point four and dropped to two point two in twenty sixteen. It's also, of course, seen a, a massive amount of controversy, and that's that's where we get to this point. So incentivizing people to have fewer children to a to a threshold it makes sense, but blackmailing a country to make them enact these programs seems pretty dirty, and. F- Forcing people to do this seems criminal.
0: Yeah, and, and it certainly seems, as per our earlier discussion, like India is on its way to continue this process just in a, a different way, right? I think that's what some of the planned stuff for, for the few states that are putting forward these new incentives to control the population. It just looks a little different Uh, It may be a little less harsh, but in the end, it's still deciding who can and can't have a family to a certain extent.
1: Right, right. And who should be able to say that? You know, I, I believe that in the case of, let's say someone commits a heinous crime, right? Someone has committed, someone's a serial killer, just an extreme example. And they get caught, they go to jail for the rest of their life or they get the death penalty, what have you that person has excluded themselves from society. That's the kind of person who doesn't deserve to have the agency to decide whether or not they want to have a family after they've been incarcerated for this stuff. And that's that's just my opinion. I'm making an example off the top of my head, but I'm only bringing that example up to argue that for the vast majority of the human population, they should have the fundamental freedom or the agency to make to make those sorts of cho- choices for themselves we're we're not we're not anti vasectomy right i know many people who have been who have chosen to be sterilized for one reason or another you know and, and they live happy fulfilling lives uh, and a big p- and are happy with their decision and i can only assume that a big part of why they're happy with that decision is because it was their decision not someone
0: else's. Yep, 100%. Uh, well, this was a downer. This was a downer. <laughs> you know, we've got to pepper
1: in some more shows about goblins. Uh,
0: For sure. Can we, yeah, let's just do that. Uh, let's do it on different <laughs> like mythology from D&D uh, every week or so, every couple of weeks. I would let's love do that.
1: that. We can have Robert and Joe from Stuff to Blow Your Mind on. Uh, talk a little bit about that. I actually, I play Dungeons and Dragons with Joe. I, well, you know that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I play D&D in my head. Like, I like to think about the concept of playing D&D, but I just never do it. <laughs> okay, I,
1: I'll tell you one embarrassing thing, so this isn't a complete downer. And we'll give you something to laugh at, folks, and that's something you can laugh at is me. Uh, and when I was younger, I didn't get on with most people. And I was very much a recluse uh and I bought d and d books, and I read the crap out of them, and I played d and d campaigns with myself as the d m and as three different characters and I did not that's kind of was... cool
0: though. you learned all the different you know skills that you can have with the different characters. I bet you were you a was there a sorcerer and or wizard? a cleric and a warrior
1: or no a rogue multiple campaigns man it, was, <laughs> it got weird it got weird
0: uh, you know but, what you know yeah. we need to try for real i'm What's not that? kidding yeah tell me delta green have you heard of this delta green no <laughs> yeah yeah no seriously tell me more tell me more we're is not really say... allowed to talk about it much but we should try delta green seriously
1: Delta it's... green is this like a limoncello thing
0: it's kind of like that, but Cthulhu is involved.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Keep running into that guy. I gotta get yeah. different hobbies. Okay, yeah. No, I'm down. I'm down. Okay, let's do it. I uh, and in the meantime, uh, we want to hear from you, folks. What What do you think? What is the just decision for leaders of the world or leaders of a country to make in this situation? Should they be allowed to conduct mass coercive sterilization programs? Or we didn't even talk about some of the disincentives. Should people run the risk of losing their job if they don't uh, agree to participate in sterilizations or if they don't agree to have one themselves? They get what, what is What is the line and what is the way forward? How do we create a better world for the people here now and the people to come? And if there is a price to be paid, then who ultimately pays that price? We want to hear from you. We want to hear your take, or we try to make it easy to find us online.
0: You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, at Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. You can easily find us on all of those places. And you can give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. You'll hear a message that lets you know you're in the
1: right place, and then you will have three minutes after a beep. Those three minutes are your own. They belong to you to do with as you will. If you'd like to help us out, give yourself a cool nickname, a moniker. It's always fun to have a different persona, isn't it? Tell us what's on your mind. If there's something personal that you would like to just keep to, you know... Uh, Matt, Paul, I mean, then that's, that's absolutely fine. Just put it at the end of the message. The most important part is to let us know if we can use your name and or voice on the air. And if you feel like it's going to take me five calls to get through the full extent of this story and to tell them like everything I need to tell them and all the supplemental info and everything else. Don't don't worry about that. Don't ever feel like you have to censor yourself. Instead, write it out in full. Throw as many links and evidence as you want uh, into an email. An email that you should send to us immediately. You can do it any time of day, any day of the week, at our good old-fashioned email address, where we are.
0: Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies
2: to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
1: Attention, true crime enthusiast! Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your
2: trusted companion for CBD relief.